Hi, everyone. My name is Naman. Welcome back to another episode of the ID Podcast, where we're featuring Lifestyle Medicine Part 2. Here with me is uh, one of my co-hosts and one of the interviewers for this episode, Mike. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And it's funny because this was actually the first episode that we released for ID Podcast. And now we're airing Part 2 this time around. Since then, we've actually released five episodes, and this time we're on Episode 6. Yeah, and for if anyone didn't get a chance to listen to part one, here's a quick recap to help fill things in so you can have a bearing of where we're at. So our guest today is Dr. Amanda Maroney, who is a family physician uh, in Ontario who specializes in lifestyle medicine, which is a type of medicine that it's not in lieu of traditional medicine, it supplements traditional medicine and that it tries to focus on the root cause of disease and how we can engage patients in making healthier life choices. In the first part, she also talks about her journey to where she is today and includes some stories about family members dealing with health scares. And she kind of shares some resources and tips to a healthier form of living. So a lot of what we'd cover today is more tangible suggestions on how to incorporate all of these wonderful suggestions from her experience as a family physician into your own life, into your own practice potentially, and going over some myths and facts about lifestyle medicine. We'll also be sharing some resources where you can learn more about this topic. All right, Mike, uh, without further ado, should we send it to you and Noam in the studio? I don't know, maybe seven, eight, six months ago when this is uh, recorded and enjoy uh, <laughs> Lifestyle Medicine Part 2. So our next question is, there's probably a lot of factors that may become obstacles for patients in incorporating these lifestyle practices into their daily lives, such as, I know there's a misconception of eating healthy is so expensive, or it doesn't really work with the kind of food that, let's say, my mother makes or that my kids eat. So how do you deal with these obstacles, such as culture or socioeconomic status, when treating your patients and counseling them? Sure. I mean, they, they do absolutely play a role. You know, I'm Italian. So, I mean, I grew up on prosciutto and mortadella and pasta and meatballs. And so when I went plant-based, I got a lot of eyebrows, you know. (laughs) It's funny, nobody's a, just a side note, like everybody becomes a health expert when you start eating healthy. (laughs) Nobody questions you walking into Wendy's and ordering a you know, hamburger and fries. But as soon as you, you, you kind of say, well, actually, I'm, I'm not actually eating meat. Mm-hmm. Well, wh- where are you going to get your protein? Like all the questions come <laughs> out to play. Anyhow, certainly with, with cultural issues, it's, it's kind of meeting patients where they're at. And I think sometimes they get very uncomfortable with the idea of forever, right? Like, well, I can never eat that food again. And I, I say, like, let's just let's just dial that back and and just start with the present. Of course, you you can you can eat that food again if you choose to. It's your choice. But I, I kind of meet them where they're at, and I say, you know, listen, like, try introducing some more meals. And by the way, you can plantify any meal in any cultural setting. So you want Mexican, you can get Mexican food plant based. You want Italian, you can do plant based Italian. You can do. Um, Asian food, you can do um, literally any recipe you can make plant-based. And it's just about, you know, looking up some recipes and trying them out. So, um, but, you know, I tell patients like, listen, if your family meals, if you have those turkey dinners once a year at Thanksgiving, 
then have a little piece of turkey. Like, it's okay, you know. If you're making your home and your regular eating patterns 80%, 90% plant predominant, you know, or, or at least unprocessed and healthy, then that gives you some leeway. It's still, it's you know, one meal's not going to kill you. Two, three more, they're not going to, it's when they add up to a daily, day-to-day basis. So I think the concept of forever really scares people off. And so they when they hear that they can still go to their family dinners, you know, uh, on special occasions and have, and then I say, bring a meal, bring something with you. That also helps. Um, and that just speaks to the ties that we make with food and our social, ga- like our social uh, connection. So we often celebrate occasions with food. And I think it's it's also important to just be mindful that the celebration itself is a celebration. It doesn't have to surround and be, you know, it's about being with your family and being in that moment. It's not about the food. It's not about the decor. It's, you know, it's not about, um, you know, all those material things. It's about the presence of you and your loved ones and, and just really being mindful of that. That's 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 the gift there. It has, you know, less to do with food. Um, we make it about food. Um, with regards to, ex- you know, how expensive a plant-based diet is, it's hard because it's hard to compete with those four ninety nine family meal at Wendy's, mm-hmm. you know, which, by the way, doesn't require any preparation, doesn't require you going to the store. It's not that plant-based nutrition is really that much more expensive. You can totally eat plant-based on a budget. And I do teach my patients that in my class, you know, you don't have to get, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables all the time. There's a lot of benefit to frozen vegetables. In some cases, actually healthier because they're picked at their prime as opposed to being shipped across, you know, the nation. Farmers markets in the summer is a great way to lower the cost. You know, it does. It's not expensive to cook very simple meals. You don't have to have elaborate meals to to make this work for you. But people often they don't realize that in the long run, when you get chronic diseases related to these cheap, unhealthy diets, it actually costs you way more. It costs you in the ways of having to take medications. It costs you in transportation to get to those doctor's appointments. It costs you the, the time that you might miss from work when you're sick. It, it also costs your life. <laughs> it's a moot point totally. if, you, if you have no money like, and you don't have – if you have money but no health, like that's, that's not helpful either. And, you know, these, those costs actually add up way more than spending a, a few extra dollars and taking a little bit more of your time to prepare your meals. And what they don't realize is when you change your diet, your productivity increases because you're feeling better. That's when the magic happens for me, even in my group. You know, I can, I can say all I want, like how great this diet is. It's not until they actually experiment it. And I, I do challenge them to try it for at least 21 days. It usually takes 21 days for your mind, your brain to reprocess your taste buds to turn over and your taste to like your taste preferences to change. But in that 21 days, they actually start to feel better and their symptoms are going away in that short time. That's how fast it can work. And that's when the magic happens because it reinforces the behavior themselves, you know, and they start to do it not because the, the doctor said to do it or because somewhere down the line it's going to prevent my disease. They feel better. And so your productivity increases and then, you know, you're able to do more things. But it is an obstacle, I agree. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking for that intrinsic motivation with patients Absolutely. For, for the long-term results. Yeah, Absolutely. that makes perfect sense. Yep. And meeting a patient where they're at, right? Like, again, mm-hmm. you ask, it's asking permission 
for for you to give this information first of all and then guiding them to make not huge long-term goals start with just now we call them smart goals and they're they're short-term and they're measurable and they're realistic and they're time sensitive and and you set small goals that they reach so maybe it's it's don't start fully plant-based start with one meal of your day and then teaching them, hey, how about some, these are some meal ideas for breakfast. Breakfast is a perfect way to start because it's a very easy um, meal to make plant-based. And say, just try having a plant-based breakfast three times a week. And then they start, start to realize, I actually like this. So they start having it every day. And then once they've gotten that down pat, then the next step, okay, how about a meatless Monday? You know, it's so mm. famous. That's such a cliche. <laughs> but anyways, they do a meatless Monday and they start to feel like, hey, like I don't miss I don't miss the, you know, the, the animal products so much. And then maybe it's like, OK, don't go setting your goal to work out for an hour, you know, a day. Start with just put your running shoes on and step out the door and go for five minutes to the end of your block and back. But nine times out of 10, by the time they get out to the end of their block, they're like, bah, I'm here anyways and I'll extend it. And it's just that getting started. So commit to five minutes or introduce natural movement through your days. Yeah, that's really cool. Nice. So you've talked about um, kind of in your role as a family physician, you have uh, maybe drugs, pharmaceuticals, and also (laughs) other kind of conventional um, medical interventions, Mm -hmm. and you have lifestyle medicine as well. But there's other kind of interprofessional healthcare Mm -hmm. professionals who work um, kind of at this field, like dietitians and social workers. Uh, so do you work together in an interdisciplinary healthcare team to I do. support this? Yes. So the uh, Smithville Family uh, Medical Center is actually a family health team. So we are a team of eight physicians. We have three nurse practitioners. We have a dietitian. We have two mental health workers and two nurse educators who run a diabetes program, a program to monitor patients in their blood thinners and anticoagulants and a hypertension program. And so it is a blessing to work uh, amongst allied health professionals and we kind of trade secrets that way. And it's really cool because you can tag team with them so that the patient has, it's not just the doctor talking about this, it's the nurse educator and then the dietitian and then the mental health worker if they need it. And, and so they're getting the same consistent message that they actually have more power than they think they have. And so when that happens, they just feel more and more empowered. So I really, uh, I just love working with uh, allied health professionals. I think it's important. So you seem to be clearly very well-versed in plant-based nutrition and all the benefits it has to offer. As just a student, as anyone in the population, it's so confusing sometimes to understand what the best diet really is. Some people tell us carbs are good for us. Some say carbs are bad for you. Some say fat is good for you. Some say fat is bad for you. So if you could just recommend to your patients one simple rule for overall health, what kind of diet would you say that um, that entails? Sure. So I recommend whenever possible, that patients consume a whole food, that means unprocessed, plant-based or plant-predominant diet. And this is just to note, is very different from a vegan diet, right? So we have to make that distinction, that's really important, Mm -hmm. because vegan diets are defined by what they exclude. They exclude, you know, meat, dairy, eggs, stop. But as far as processed food with a vegan diet, pretty much anything can go. And so 
you could be a junk food vegan, for example, where you think you're eating healthy and you're, you're probably, you know, maybe eating better for the animal's sake and you're eating better definitely for the environment's sake. But for your health, that's actually not a health-promoting diet. And there was a study released by Sachija where um, she compared different plant-based foods and showed that a, pro- a highly refined processed plant-based diet is actually worse than a whole food plant-based diet. So that doesn't surprise me. So I recommend a whole food plant-based diet, which is defined by what it includes. And that includes fruits, vegetables in their whole form, beans and legumes and pulses, so lentils, nuts, seeds, and whole unrefined grains. And you know, Noam, you mentioned the word confusion. There's a lot of confusion in what diet is best. And Dr. David Katz, he's a board-certified specialist in preventative medicine and public health. He's a big name in the U.S., in my, in my world, in the plant-based world, who he's you know, authored over 200 peer-reviewed articles, wrote several books on the quality of evidence in nutritional science. But he spoke very eloquently uh, in saying that there is really no confusion out there. This no one will argue that the data supports eating a more whole unprocessed food selection will improve health outcomes and no one will argue that eating more vegetables is good for you. That fiber is beneficial. But scientists and doctors, we tend to argue about the minutia. High carb, low carb, high fat, low fat. We get reductionistic about nutrition instead of looking at food as a whole. Nature never intended us to pick apart macronutrients the way that we do. We don't need to focus on the differences. We need to focus on what we have in common. And scientists will place emphasis on how we differ. And this creates confusion amongst the general population. It leaves them throwing up their hands and saying, since those guys can't agree, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and eating in, quote, moderation. Um, But the problem, moderation in North America is killing us not so slowly. So the food industry, and yes, I'm going there, the food industry (laughs) and the media, they have a field day with this confusion because it sells. David Katz, he used to actually be the medical uh, contributor on ABC News and Good Morning America. And he says, you know, in the media world, there's a saying, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. You know, people want to hear good news about their bad habits. They don't want to hear the same old recommendation that broccoli is really the best for you. Um, But their ears will perk up when butter is back, you know, is slapped Mm -hmm. on a Time magazine because it reinforces these bad habits that we all kind of want to hear are good and it sells. But there is there is no confusion about what what is good for us. We just get stuck on the minutiae, which is really sad because I don't go to the store and look for, you know, protein or amino acids, which is that's what my body needs. Food comes in a whole package. And it's really important not to re- be reductionistic about food and, and think of it as a whole because that's how it works in your body. You can't separate foods. And when we start to do that, we get we get bad outcomes. For sure. So it seems it's just um, the best I would be to keep it as simple as possible. Sure. Simple ingredients, simple foods, and staying away from even like Oreos or Beyond Meat and all that kind of stuff. You're thinking like whole foods. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. You know, I've uh, you know when I when I introduce this diet to some patients, they're like, "Well, what do you? So you're telling me I should go eat those Beyond Meat burgers? They're a load of crap." <laughs> uh, yeah, I said crap on the <laughs> 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 um, But I say you're right. I agree with you. 
those are, I, I call them transition foods. I say those foods are, you know, useful if you have absolutely no other possibility. Um, if, if, you know, if you're traveling, for example, and you're on the road and you stop at a food, you know, joint and all they have are burgers and plant-based burgers, then I'm, I'm going to choose a plant-based burger because I know red meat is a class two carcinogen as per the WHO, and I'm not going to go eat a known carcinogen. I'm going to choose a plant-based, but it's not a health food. I don't say those should be your regular meals. You know, if you want a burger, look up a recipe online and build your own burger from whole foods put together and make a patty or get a portobello mushroom that actually works really well with some balsamic and, you know, grill it and put it between a bun with some avocado and some tomato. And now I'm getting hungry. That sounds so good. (laughs) So um, that's that's the difference is is it's not. Yeah. Oreos are vegan. That's all processed. So rule number one is unprocess, unprocess your diet. Get rid of the refined carbs. People get so scared of carbs because they're putting jelly beans with lima beans, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're grouping everything. And you're right. Carbs are can be bad. But let's just define that further. Refined carbs are bad for us, period. Whole grains, any vegetable, any fruit, any bean, which, by the way, are carbohydrates. But guess what? They also contain protein. They also contain a little fat, all of them. It's a whole package. So um, it's, it's, we, we group these, these foods into goods and bads, and then we're getting so misled, so misled. Mm-hmm. And then we're, you know, people are getting sick. Yeah. We're Thank sick. you for clarifying that. That was really helpful. Yeah. Cool. So it seems like I've learned a lot already during this interview. <laughs> but if I'm interested in learning more or for other medical students interested in learning more, what, um, what resources or what do you recommend for us? Um, so first, uh, I would be vocal in telling your program that you want this information. You can help drive your curriculum, and um, I think. And of course, yes. Even if it's just having one or two sessions, you know, I'll even offer my help. Like, just like I will come and speak because I feel that passionately that you are the future of our healthcare system, and you have the power to actually change the face of chronic disease. And it's so funny because it's not complicated. (laughs) It doesn't require a whole lot of memorization. It's very straightforward, uh, but it works. So feel free to send my name to your uh, program, and I'm happy to talk to any medical school, and I would love to be a part of a curriculum building program. It's happening in the States. I don't know why it's not happening here yet, but we'll get with it. Um, I also highly recommend watching the Forks Over Knives documentary as a starting point. Uh, What the Health is also good. It's a little bit more drama, um, but it has some really good information. And more recently, The Game Changers came out, um, which I know the Lifestyle Medicine Interest Group at McMaster is looking to uh, eventually uh, show. Those are great. That one actually speaks to um, athletes and busts the myth that you need animal protein to be to be stronger and fitter when actually the opposite is true. Plant-based uh, athletes of all different types uh, in all different sports categories um, actually thrive on, <clears throat> on a plant-based diet and recover faster. And uh, if you don't have Netflix, then – so all three, all three of those are on Netflix. There's also a documentary called Heal, H-E-A-L. 
And it speaks to not just the nutrition. In fact, I don't know if it mentions much of the, the nutrition, but it also talks about the mind-body connection in healing. I know that sounds a bit woo-woo to some people, <laughs> but you know what? We are connected to our our brains, and our brains have way more power than we know that we can access, and they have the you know the power to heal. And I see it time and again when a patient gets slapped a diagnosis, they will. Um, if they are positive and motivated and they feel, you know, a sense of I can do something for this, they actually do a whole lot better than when they panic and they put all of their faith in the doctors making all the decisions for themselves. And so heal just goes back to like what, you know, the the mind-body connection and healing. Um, but there is one for nutrition. There's also um, a free online version of this documentary called Eating You Alive. And this really also goes over the science, and the science is huge. So there are lots of websites, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, so pcrm.org, excellent resource. There's even a handbook for physicians listing all of the medical conditions and the evidence behind the nutritional and conventional recommendations. There's a whole recipe section that's great. I also like the Forks Over Knives website. And then, and then I read the China study. That's one of the first books that I read, and this really opens your eyes to the the uh, the harm in excess animal protein in our bodies. It's written by T. Colin Campbell. I did a, a course online. I got a plant based uh, nutrition certification through eCornell, which Dr. Colin Campbell and his son Thomas Campbell developed that program. It's amazing. It's way cheaper if you're a resident or a student, um, and it's it's done all online at your own pace, but it was so informative. It really hashed out the evidence. And another really great um, resource is a website called nutritionfacts.org, and it is a nonprofit organization um, led by Dr. Michael Greger, who I just heard in Toronto. Like I nerded out a little bit when I saw him. Like, he's a um, he's a physician who wrote the, this two books. He wrote How Not to Die and How Not to Diet, and he literally scours the evidence that comes in on a daily basis and pulls out all of these studies on different topics. So you can actually literally search any disease or any topic in his nutritionfacts.org and he will pull up all of these little vignettes, video vignettes or articles about the um, the um, evidence behind the certain recommendations. So those are really great places to start. And then, and just kind of, it's, it's all, unfortunately for now, it's all kind of up to the students to kind of search things mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing those resources. No yeah, I hope everyone took note because I know I definitely will be checking those out as well. Um, I feel like I've already learned so much, like Mike said just today. It's been so fascinating to hear you and speak so passionately about the field of lifestyle medicine. Thank you. Um, so if you have any um, final message you could leave with our listeners today, what would it be? I think, first of all, is to don't take my word for it. That's what we just spoke about. Like mm-hmm. you need to do the research and just look it up yourself and maybe even try it yourself. Um, I also want you to remember what's good for you is good for the planet. And it is, it doesn't matter if, even if animal products or even if, you know, excess meat was good for you, which it's not, science is clear about that. But even if it was, it's no use, you know, trying to eat that for health health purposes when the planet just simply cannot sustain it. So it doesn't matter if we're living longer with pills and procedures and eating whatever we want to, because it's all a moot point if we don't have a healthy planet. 
And so we have to think of that. In this day and age, we're at a point where we need to think about that and get educated uh, in this. It does exist. There's a lot of, of articles out there that support um, plant-based nutrition. But keep in mind, it's not just about nutrition. That's another big take-home point. Because I've had patients who drink their green juices, who, you know, exercise regularly, uh, you know, pound it out at the gym, but they have a heart attack. And that could leave us scratching our heads as physicians saying, well, there you go. See, that plant-based diet doesn't work. Well, no, if you really get to it, it's not about the nutrition, it's about lifestyle. So then you start to ask the question about stress and sleep and you find out that the person works all hours of the night at a very stressful job and their marriage is falling apart and stress can cause disease. And so it's the whole package. And so it's not just about nutrition. It's not, that's, that's again, that's reductionistic. You have to look at all the lifestyle factors and, and take care of yourselves. Medical school is such a driving hard time and you need to carve out time to slow and steady and you know stay in your presence in your moment that's so important um, you know obviously feed yourself the best foods you can but it's almost just as important if not more to take some time for yourselves it's really hard to do I've been there and uh, I can't emphasize enough how how important it is to take care of yourself because then you you can't take care of others if you're not well yourself and I've learned that over the years the hard way that's another huge point I really want to drive home. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Marone, for joining us in the studio today to chat about lifestyle medicine. It's been an honor and a blessing to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely. You just heard from Dr. Amanda Maroney, a family doctor who specializes in lifestyle medicine. Yeah, Mike, what did you think? I thought that was really great. I think she, I really appreciated like all the kind of tangible things that she, she suggested when people talk about this whole best diet concept and like what's good and what's not. And she kind of just took a step back and was like, hey, if it's not protest, not protest, <laughs> processed, you can tell that what's going on in the world is having a little bit of an influence on this, but uh, processed foods then it's probably good for you whole foods and like it's not breaking down the macronutrients because nature's not meant to be like that absolutely i think uh, a big takeaway for me from the interview was really her last line about not necessarily just leaving it to her as a doctor but kind of empowering also the patient in this shared decision making process so that they can also find their own evidence and information to shape their own lifestyle decisions and be able to kind of critically reflect on the decisions they make in the grocery store and the kitchen, arguably maybe more important than the decision you make in a doctor's office because it's really targeting those upstream earlier interventions you can have in your health. For sure. Yeah. And I think she mentioned some great resources, some documentaries, some websites that we're for sure have in the description below. Uh, Actually, one of the documentaries she mentioned, it was What the Health. And I remember watching it, I think about three years ago with my sister. And I kid you not, the next day I woke up and I I said, I'm a vegetarian now. I didn't go full plant-based. I didn't eliminate all of the process, but like, just like it was a very compelling documentary about the impact of Um, meat consumption on your health, meat consumption on the planet. She really does touch on like the importance of uh, impact on climate and how meat has that sort of impact. So I don't know. 
I may be biased, but I really like that documentary. I've since gone back a little bit. I've introduced a little bit of meat on a few days of the week in my diet, but definitely I can see the importance of really finding your own information and making your own decisions and empowering yourself. So that definitely resonated with me. Mm -hmm. I think lifestyle medicine is definitely something that is applicable in all of our lives. All right. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning in for another episode of the ID podcast. Please remember to follow us on social media. We have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the ID podcast. Um, if you have any suggestions for future episodes or just want to comment on how you're liking the series so far, we'd really appreciate any sort of feedback you may have. And a big thank you to all our team members who worked on this episode. A shout out to Gnome and Lucy, who are episode directors, uh, host Mike G, other co-producers, Namin and Grinder, production team, Daniel, Priscilla, Isabella, and for music as well, writing team, Priscilla, marketing team, Lucy and Omri. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the ID podcast, where we explore the stories of medicine and the people behind them. Stay safe, everyone.